Welcome to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota, your electronic town hall meeting. Join Senator Lavota, Independence Mayor Pro Tem Chris Whiting, no. and activist Courtney Cole for this weekly discussion about Missouri government and politics. Now here's the Missouri State Senator from the 11th District, Paul Lavota. And welcome to Dialogue Thursday, April 16, 2015. This is State Senator Paul Lavota, and this is Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota. Your uh, time to talk about state politics, state government, what's going on in Jefferson City. Uh, I represent the 11th Senatorial District, which is eastern Jackson County, Independence, parts of Kansas City, parts of Lee Summit, Raytown, and uh, Buckner, and all of the unincorporated area to the east of Jackson County, uh, all the way to the county line. represent 178,000 people. I'm in my third year in the Missouri Senate. I was uh, in, the Missouri, in the Missouri House for eight years before that. So my 11th year in the General Assembly. And uh, we do this every week where we kind of give you a little bit of background on what's going on in the Capitol. And hopefully you'll get a, uh, a little extra insight to what's going on um, with uh, your state government. Typically we have our friend Independence Mayor Pro Tem Chris Whiting with us, but he is not here today. But I am joined uh, again, like always, uh, um, activist Courtney Cole. Courtney, thank you for being here. Senator, thank you for having me. I'm very glad you're here today. Well, I appreciate being asked to be here, so thank you. Well, you um, do a great job for our program, for the people of Missouri, and um, and all kinds of good stuff, and I'm glad Thanks. you're here. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Well, um, I'm happy to be here, Senator, and I'm, I was kind of... Sorry, I was kind of laughing whenever we started the show, simply because you're not just opening the show, but you're also on, people can't see you, so they can't see that you're the one doing all the dials and yes. the volume and making sure all the mics and all that stuff. Right. And so, anyway, you're just wearing lots of hats, but you're able to do it well. Well, so. you noticed a little sound thing during the opening because someone called me on the phone. Yeah. I'm using my phone here. And you're using your phone, yeah. Because I have my other piece of equipment isn't working. Oh, but, but you got a backup. But somehow, That's we good. continue. But yes, uh, nevertheless, yes. Nevertheless, we will always like to start with the weekly news roundup. Now the weekly news roundup, brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Courtney Cole. Yes, here's Courtney Cole. All right. Nixon appoints county treasurer as state auditor. Governor Jay Nixon on April 14th appointed Boone County Treasurer Nicole Galloway as the permanent replacement for state auditor Thomas Swike. Hey. Thomas Swike, who committed suicide on February 26th. Swike, a Republican, was just re-elected last year. Galloway, a Democrat, will serve out the remainder of his term, which ends in January 2019. She intends to seek a full term in 2018. Nixon initially appointed longtime aide John Watson as state auditor shortly after Swike's death with the intention that, that Watson's tenure would be temporary. Watson will resign in favor of Galloway on April 27th. Galloway, 32, is a certified public accountant and certified fraud examiner. Prior to becoming county treasurer, she was a corporate auditor for shelter insurance companies in Columbia. She holds an undergraduate degree in applied mathematics and economics from the Missouri University of Science and Technology and a master's degree in business administration from the University of Missouri-Columbia. M-I-Z. <laughs> the people of Missouri have my commitment that I will be an independent watchdog that reviews all levels of government with even-handedness and integrity, Galloway said in a news release. The office will be committed to protecting taxpayers and ensuring that government is held accountable for the resources it uses and to the citizens it serves. That's right. 
This marks the second time Nixon has picked Galloway to fill a vacancy created by a death of an incumbent, the first being her April 2011 appointment as Boone County Treasurer. Galloway won a full term in the office in 2012, a Fenton native. She lives in Columbia with her husband and two small children. Yeah, this is, uh, this is good news and a terrible tragedy that we lost our auditor. Um, but um, the governor has done a good job picking a, a new auditor. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Nicole, the auditor, Auditor Galloway is a very bright, um, talented uh, leader, and uh, she's shown how how well she can serve the public in her job in Boone County, and now she's going to do that for the entire state. And I think it's a very good pick. Absolutely. Um, I got to tell you, and and it's good I get to tell you personally, <laughs> Courtney, but everyone else can listen. I do have a uh, a bias. Mm-hmm. That I think more women need to be in office, and I'm I'm actually oh. pretty happy that um, the governor first went for someone qualified, but then also was able to be be a woman as well. Um, Yay! Me so, too. So I was that's really excited. About I mean, that. the the any job you got to have the right qualities, right? You got to have sure. you got to be qualified, right? And especially the auditor, who really is the watchdog, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how our U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill. Um, showed her commitment to public service for the state when she was auditor mm-hmm. and didn't care who the governor was or sure. uh, who the General Assembly was, um, really made sure that the they were a watchdog for the governor. And and I, <laughs> yeah, did I say that loud? Watchdog for um, the government. <laughs> but they need to be a watchdog for the governor too. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, um, Nicole has shown that she, does that already, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. happy with the pick. And by the way, I know some of her family members. Oh, and uh, her mother-in-law mm-hmm. is from Independence, Missouri. Oh, there you go. Well, so, there you go. I mean, how can He's that got, be bad? Yeah, she's got good roots. How can that be bad? Yeah, well, she's got a wonderful family, and yes. you know they've uh, they're good people. So mm-hmm. I'm really I was really happy to hear that it's a win for Missouri for sure. Yes. Senate sued for alleged sunshine law violations. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is good. Okay. A state government watchdog group is suing the Missouri Senate on claims the group has been prevented from recording some Senate committee hearing. No, no, no. It's um, Gary. Yeah, it's it's watchdog. We keep talking about watchdog. Uh, Every story uses the word watchdog. Gary's going to jump in always. Okay. Uh, hearing in violation of the state's sunshine law. Yes. Progress Missouri filed a lawsuit on April 15th in Cole County Circuit Court. It is seeking an injunction barring Senate committees from po- prohibiting recording in the future. The sunshine law requires that a public body shall allow for recording by audio tape, videotape, or other electronic means of any open meeting. The Missouri Constitution, however, grants the Senate and House of Representatives the authority to determine the rules of their proceedings. The Senate's internal rules grant committee chairmen the power to allow or prohibit the recording of hearings as they see fit. In addition to the full Senate, the lawsuit names as defendants three Senate committees and their Republican chairman, Senator Mike Kehoe of Jefferson City, Chairman of the of Commerce, Consumer Protection, Energy and Environment Committee, Senator David Sater of Cassville, Chairman of the Seniors, Family, and Children Committee, and Senator Mike Parson of Bolivar, Chairman of uh, the Small Business and Industry Committee. All three chairmen have refused to allow Progress Missouri to record hearings. While Kehoe and Sater allow recordings by members of the news media, Parson prohibits any person or group from recording in his committee. Mm. The outcome of the case will likely hinge on whether the constitutional authority of the Senate to determine its own rules gives it the power to exempt itself from laws of general 
applicability. <laughs> the recording of hearings isn't an issue in the House, the rules of which require committees to follow the Sunshine Law and don't grant chairmen the discretion to pro- prohibit recordings. Yeah, I, I don't understand this at all, why this is has raised to the level um, where these chairmen don't allow recording. Um, it, it Everyone has a recording device on them anyway. Mm-hmm. And times are different now. Yeah. And what is I think is wrong with the Senate rule is that a chairman gets to decide. Mm-hmm. At least Senator Parsons doesn't let anyone record. Um, Senator Kehoe and Senator Sater are only not allowing Progress Missouri, who happened to be right. a um, information gathering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Democratic-leaning group. Sure. And that's the only reason they're not allowed. Now, the media can come in and ask, and they could always record. But this this discretion of a, a public hearing with the discretion of one person just doesn't make sense at all. Well, and it, to me, I think uh, uh, Progress Missouri has a right to do this. And and you know, tell me if I'm wrong. You know, but I think this well, really <laughs> okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this really goes back to when they were having their committee meetings outside of. Uh, the Capitol. Am I correct? And well, so that's when the issue was kind of raised, well, and they started not allowing them. Or was it prior? No, to that? the the House had their committee meetings outside. I don't know if the Senate right. ever no, did. No, the Senate did not. But correct. right. But it, it, again, those are two. It's the same topic because they're trying to um, divert the idea of the public seeing what's going on. You see what I mean? Though? Yes, we, so absolutely. We've had problems. In we've the had past problems with, with the chairman. Now we have a problem in the Senate mm-hmm. with the same thing because there's no transparency. Right. And the reason there's no transparency is because with that comes accountability. Right. And they don't. That's something they don't want to be held right. to. And <laughs> you know, the Senate has a communication um, group that can videotape every single mm-hmm. thing, every single proceeding the Senate has. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also to the discretion of of, of the chairman or uh, of the president pro temp if it's the full mm-hmm. General Assembly. So it doesn't make sense at all in this day and age. If, if Progress Missouri or, quite frankly, any other group like this Alliance for Freedom that Every bill they testify either for or against, they're for right. freedom. I mean, they're just they're a they're a Koch brother, mm-hmm. um, Tea Party front group. If they go through the proper channels, they should be able to too. Even mm-hmm. though I disagree with their politics. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Moving on, proposed two cent bump and fuel tax stalls bump in it. Senate. Bump it up. Legislation that would slightly increase the state fuel tax appears stalled in the Missouri Senate, which debated the measure on April 14th and April 15th, but set it aside without a vote amid opposition from anti-tax senators. Missouri's fuel tax of 17 cents per gallon was last increased in 1996, and today is one of the lowest in the nation. The Missouri Department of Transportation's construction budget has sharply declined from a high of nearly $1.37 billion in 2009 to $685 million this year. MoDOT officials anticipate that by 2017, its construction budget will further shrink to $325 million, about $160 million less than the $485 million annually it takes to just maintain the state highway system. State Senator Doug Leibla, a Republican of Poplar Bluff, initially proposed increasing the fuel tax by two cents a year over three years for a total hike of six cents per gallon. The tax rate would then be adjusted annually for inflation under the bill, Senate Bill 540. During Senate, however, the bill was amended to a one-time two-cent increase with no inflationary adjustment. The additional 
$55 million generated by a two-cent hike would give MoDOT sufficient matching revenue to draw down Missouri's share of federal highway funds in 2017, but not in 2018. This issue we spent a lot of time on in the state Senate, and I am um, very interested in what my constituents have to say about this, Mm -hmm. because from what I hear, we need help with maintaining our transportation system. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a, a bridge that was closed um, from, I guess it's uh, what uh, eastbound I-70 to southbound I-35 in mm-hmm. near Kansas, near the downtown area. They closed the bridge because it was about to fall, right. fall apart. I don't know if right. you saw that news story. No, well, but I believe it. Well, it shows the need. It just shows yeah. an exa- another example of the need. Mm-hmm. So um, because there's a need... Last year, there was on a ballot a one-cent sales tax. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the General Assembly cut the highest income tax for, for the richest folks in town. But then they wanted to do a one-cent for all of us. People in Missouri said no. To one-cent. To one, to, to the one-cent. That was one-cent sales tax. Right. Okay, this is a little different. Right. Okay? So then there was talks of toll roads. Well, toll roads aren't very popular as well. Mm-hmm. Now, there was this idea of doing two-cents on the gas tax mm-hmm. per year, mm-hmm. we have the lowest gas tax um, in the nation. Oh, right. We will have the lowest, one of the lowest gas tax in the nation still if this goes through. Mm-hmm. But it's even been back to only two cents per gallon for one time. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've gotten four constituents saying, well, don't do that to us. Don't raise our gas tax. I, I don't know, folks, I don't know what we're going to do when we allow bad tax policy to cut revenues other other places, how else are we going to be able to maintain the roads that we have? Sure, right. And to me, this is a very, very modest proposal of yeah. two cents per gallon, not per dollar, okay? Right, I understand, right? yes. And so... Um, and we're one of the lowest of our neighboring states, if we're you the, look. The, the lowest. Okay. We're the lowest. And we would still be the lowest. Okay. Okay? So keep that in mind. So I... Uh, to me, this seemed like a very modest proposal. Now, here's the real problem. I've lectured about tax policy. Mm-hmm. And what this is all about is a dogma or a some type of political thing of no new taxes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, yeah. so instead of saying, hey, we haven't raised this in uh, 22 years, mm-hmm. and it makes sense to do this, the uh, majority, the radicals, have painted themselves in a corner. Yeah. Most of the time that we spent on this bill was Senator Doug Lydla, who's the sponsor of this, justifying why he's for a tax increase. <laughs> well, uh, you know, but sometimes we got to do right. this and sometimes... I mean, it, his his dancing around was pathetic. Yeah. His... As opposed to owning the issue and saying, we just need this money, it's been... Um, but it's because he's campaigned and gotten elected yes. on the line of no new taxes. That's and right. that message has been, you know, clearly taken in. That's right. And supported, and then now that's why we've continued to see it any time right. that it's appeared. That's right. Then, during the debate, Senator Ed Emery of mm-hmm. Cass County, Cass County, Butler County, yes, that area, right. stood up and read maybe about 20 quotes from different senators... Who said they would never raise taxes? See, so yeah, they've many of them signed on, didn't they? Even well, wasn't that part of the process? Yeah, I, <laughs> I've never done that. I've never done that. And they, you, as far as sign on, they have signed a no tax, no tax increase pledge. Yeah, I with, received the pledge, and they asked me to sign on when I was a candidate with the um, uh, 
Grover Norquist and, and mm-hmm. that group. Mm-hmm. That's not how we should have our elected <laughs> officials. Elected officials should determine what's best for the state. Right. And follow that Missouri value that we have and keep taxes as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Low taxes, um, accountable government, but two cents per gallon mm-hmm. on, on the gas tax since we haven't raised it since uh, 19, 1993. Were you alive then? I know you're very young. Thank you, yeah. Senator. Yes, but, just barely. I was but to me, barely alive. It, it's, a, it's a very <laughs> modest proposal, and the justification of... of you know, this is just ridiculous. So yep. that's why we never got it done. We I spent see. a lot of time talking about it. I see. So. Okay. We well, right. we're going to talk about something that did okay. get done. Okay. Why don't we do that? Okay. Uh, lawmakers approve cutting welfare benefits. Oh, yeah. This. Yeah. The Republican-controlled General Assembly on April 16th granted final approval to the legislation that would immediately strip more than 6,300 Missouri children of their welfare benefits. The measure, Senate Bill 24, was sent to the governor on votes of 25 to 9 in the Senate and 111 to 36 in the House of Representatives. Under existing law, benefits under the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program carry a lifetime cap of 60 months. Senate Bill 24 would lower that cap to 45 months. Nearly 9,500 current recipients, two-thirds of whom are children, will already have been on the program for more than 45 months by the time Senate Bill 24 takes effect, meaning they would immediately lose their benefits if the bill becomes law. Republican supporters of Senate Bill 24 say reducing TANF benefits would encourage recipients to take more personal responsibility for their Mm, situations. Democratic opponents question how children, who constitute the bulk of TANF beneficiaries, are supposed to take personal responsibility for their parents being poor. That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. Well, they got you I asked asked the the sponsor of the bill, Mm -hmm. Senator David Sater, Mm Mm-hmm. How are these 6,300 kids supposed to take more personal responsibility because yeah. they were born poor? Right. Or, and if you even want to say that these parents are being irresponsible, okay, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what are they supposed to do about it? Yeah. So this is a sad thing, and it doesn't save us any money. It's just picking, <laughs> just on, picking, it's on, picking on poor people. Using so, our taxpayer time to taxpayer do this. Time. They don't provide any solutions for these That's people. Right. All that they do is just rely on, you know, go get a job. The, you know, this mentality. Of go, it's, again, no new taxes. Go get a job. Right. We're not going to pay them. It's the same message that's being sold to our citizens. Mm-hmm. And it's working. Mm-hmm. That's the saddest part mm-hmm. of it is that it's working. Well, it, it just, you know, if there was a big savings or right. if there were studies that proved this would motivate people, <laughs> right. um, then, yeah. And i tell you who did a lot of good work on this was Senator um, Jill Shoup, who was on the conference committee. The, the House wanted it to only be 30 months. Mm-hmm. The um, Senate had it at 48 months. And uh, through negotiation, it ended up being 45 months. But mm-hmm. there are, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of time. And, and she led the effort to make sure that we didn't uh, cave into the um, House position of 30 months. Senator, we're the... We're the poorest na- state in the nation. We are tied for first as far as being poorest. And as far as the people in their state. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's these rural areas where we're seeing mm-hmm. this, you know, but there are, we have to find some solutions. You know, please bring that to the conversation because it's just well, it's the, irresponsible. Here's, here's the solution. You you modestly um, increase taxes on people that use in the roads to fix the roads. Thank you. Yes. You 
fund education because you know that's an economic developer. You pull federal money back down so people have health care through Medicaid expansion. That's $2.2 billion. And then you um, have tax policy that cuts for middle-class Missourians to spread that money around. That's how you do it. That's how other states have done it. Of course. I've said I have bills on all those things. Of course. So. I know. It's just okay. frustrating. Yes. Okay. House endorses repealing motorcycle helmet law. The House of Representatives on April 13th voted 97 to 57 of legislation that would repeal Missouri's helmet, motorcycle helmet law for riders age 21 or over. Under the bill, House Bill 523, motorcycle riders under age 21 would still be required to wear a helmet. The bill now advances to the Senate. Supporters say adult riders should have the freedom to determine for themselves that they want to wear a helmet. Opponents of the helmet law, they say that the helmet is an essential safety requirement and that Motorcycle fatalities and serious injuries will increase sharply if helmet use becomes optional. Missouri lawmakers enacted similar legislation in 2009, but Governor Jay Nixon vetoed it. We have a special commentary on this from Jerry Seinfeld. The helmet is my personal favorite. The fact that we had to invent the helmet. Now, why did we invent the helmet? Well, because we were participating in many activities that were cracking our heads. We looked at the situation. We chose not to avoid these activities, but to just make little plastic hats so that we can continue our head-cracking lifestyles. Here we go. The only thing dumber than the helmet is the helmet law, the point of which is to protect a brain that is functioning so poorly, it's not even trying to stop the cracking of the head that it's in. That pretty much sums up where I am on the helmet law. I, I am for it. To get rid of the helmet law. (laughs) I agree with our commentary here that it is silly to ask these people to take care of themselves because they're not going to. Well, here's what I want to know. Can we then get rid of the seatbelt law? Because that $10 I get pulled over for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just kidding with you. No, I think we should have the seatbelt. But I don't think... Is this a creep? Is this a creep bill? Yeah. (laughs) Creep. Remind me to talk about that. I I didn't plan on talking about that, but I need to. But um, the... the, um, Seatbelt law, I, I am against the primary seatbelt law that would allow law enforcement to pull you over if they think you don't have a seatbelt. Oh, I see. Now, a lot of people think that would save folks, too. Maybe it would, but I, I don't want to give law enforcement that additional responsibility. So, anyway. Yeah, I believe seatbelts are good. So It's important. Sorry that we had a commentary on your during your news. Uh, that's okay, but that is all, all of your news this week for the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Oh, that is fantastic. Good job. Very good. Yes, thanks. Um, this is the uh, time of the show when we would ask um, our Independence Mayor Pro Temp Chris Whiting what's going on, mm-hmm. and he would say something like, He would tell us all got, kinds of things. We got a big event at Independence Events Arena, and mm-hmm. I had a meeting one time. And the mayor was there. And so <laughs> that's kind of basically. So, right. I mean, we miss him. I gave him. the key to the city to. We miss him, but that's basically. You're caught up, That's basically. basically it. Yeah. We just got the rundown. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Now, what update can you give us? What in, Did you do anything exciting this week? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, well, you know, I'm just kind of um, involved all over the place. But I've been writing grants, and we were um, just awarded a grant. And it was the first one. Uh, that I had, you know, been awarded since I um, have been working for the Good Samaritan Center in Excelsior Springs. 
And uh, Good Samaritan Center uh, has been there since 1986, and my parents were on the founding board. Um, I went to Catholic school and to Catholic church, and uh, Father Larry Spicinger uh, was our priest at the time, and he wanted to uh, work to help those who are less fortunate in our community of Excelsior Springs and the surrounding area and um, provide them with the resources that they would need to survive, you know, um, mm-hmm. be able to help them with same things as uh, we're in partnership with the United Way, for instance. So provide um, a lot of those same resources to the public. And there's a thrift store there now, too. So it's been operating ever since. It's got a lot of great community support. And I'm happy to be um, a part of That's good. you know that group and was excited, of course, that we were awarded that uh, grant. It was the Harvest Ball uh, society and so i've been told that there's a black tie event and i Ooh. yeah and so um i'll go do and you have a black tie that i don't have a black tie i was hoping maybe i was going to talk to you, maybe i could borrow one or something because i tell you what he's going to look that. good in a black tie is that doctor of yours yes he looked doctor, good in that. yep he yep. looked dashing yep so we're going to that black tie event too um, doctor and, and activist. there's three of them even so really? yeah and he may have to like rent a tux or something you have to get one <laughs> yeah yeah, he needs one. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so that was kind of the excitement of my week. I, I just cannot believe that it's Thursday, Senator, to be honest. Things are but so wait busy a minute. that... Uh, Tuesday? Tuesday, weren't you down in, in <sighs> Jeff City? Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was this week? Yeah. Um, so Tuesday, I came down to Jeff City for the Women's Equality uh, Day, and uh, it was Equal Pay Day, and that was uh, established to... Um, because that's at a point in the year in which women have worked where we're finally making the same as men. And so that was just on Tuesday, and I think it was 104 days into the year that women essentially work because of our wage gap that we Okay, now tell me again why it's that day again. It's that it's, day. That's how many days we have to work into the year. I am a woman, Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that terrible? No, I Come love on. it. I think it's great. Okay. <laughs> so, um... Anyway, that's how far into the year women have to work to then start earning the same amount as men, right. you know. Uh, and that's always taken by the previous year. Okay. So, well, things are not good here. And we, there's a large wage uh, gap, depending upon the county. And you can actually find that online. That mm-hmm. information is there and that data shows there. Uh, so, 79 cents uh, to the dollar is what we've determined. And... I was so happy because on that day, I attended uh, a Senate committee hearing, and you, Senator Lavota, have sponsored the Equal Pay Bill for Women here in the state of Missouri, and you were able to get that passed out of that committee, um, and I think the vote was five to one, if I remember right. Yes. And so now that will have to go through both the Senate and the House, but I feel like with Kind of the way things have been um, in regard to, you know, equality for women uh, legislation, we've not had much success over the past few years. So I really count that as a success. And I thank you for being the sponsor of that and standing up for women. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very pleased that we got out of committee and we have a long way to make it law. But right. basically what Senate Bill 144 does is ask the Department of Labor to establish best practice guidelines for gender pay equality. Because mm-hmm. in the in the state of Missouri, we know that women earn 29% less than men. That's the, and it's different by county, as you mentioned. Sure, yeah. And so all I'm asking is for the Department of Labor to set up guidelines so employers will know what to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had a little bit of 
of backlash from the business community in when I had the heard the bill, mm-hmm. but then they came around, gave me some ideas on to make it a little more. They didn't want to make it as punitive to businesses that are trying to do their best. Right, of course So not. I agree with that. And yeah. uh, I asked that um, we uh, got that bill passed. It happened to be exactly on um, the same day as, um, what was the equal pay day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. many, many constituents were down there. So I was very happy to see that happen. Now, with that said, um, I was able to go to the equal pay rally Mm-hmm. Which is more like it was more like a meeting in the capital of about fifty um, people there talking about um, some of these issues, and I explained to them the committee process. It passed, okay, it passed, but there was one dissenting vote, mm-hmm. and it was it was Senator Doug Leibla, right? And when the first issue came up, he he said this: "Well, I'm worried about the creep." I'm worried about the creep. I think what he means by that is that if we have this establish these guidelines, it will creep and become a permanent law, and then businesses will have to pay women equally. Hmm. So he's against that. I thought about that when he said it, mm-hmm. and as I told the the rally, I was worried about the creep too. Mm-hmm. Him, first of all, for being a creep and saying that. <laughs> Number two, he better worry about the creep because. The fact of the matter is, we can't be done with this bill. Mm-hmm. We have to continue to push for pay equality. Right. That's what's fair. Yeah. And that's what we should do. And you you are exactly right that if I can make advance in this very radical legislature, mm-hmm. then we're going to do that. You know, so, and- so, yes, be worried, Senator, <laughs> because I'm coming back next year and um, continually fighting for fairness. Yeah. Great. Now, the business community doesn't want to pay women the same as men. And with that said, I don't, I say that, but that's not really fair. The business community doesn't want to pay anyone more. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're against minimum wage increase or anything. So um, maybe it's not a gender thing. They just don't want to have to pay any more out of their pockets for taxes. They don't want to pay any more to their employees. They don't want to pay any more for infrastructure. Um, And I say business community, I mean the Missouri Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they're the main proponents of, of stopping these things that are good for consumers and good for um, workers. Um, but I'm glad they finally came around on a very simple um, guideline that would help uh, establish guidelines. Absolutely. A, gui- a bill that would help establish guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I agree. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting to me because Senator Leibla at first had uh, brought up that point, but then he voted against it, stating that he had not read it. That's right. That's exactly you know, what so he said. Was, he was against it, you were the only he, one to ask a question about it and raise, you know, concern. But then he came, comes back and says he didn't read it. So right. just Yeah, he didn't read it, even though I had distributed it the day before to right. make sure that it was Everyone else up. had read it and everyone was aware of it, too. Right. You gave an update prior, right. you know. Uh, but that's interesting. So, um, it, the other thing that just, um, just out of, uh, um, kudos to, uh, representative Stephen Weber, who's had this bill Mm -hmm. for five years and has hearings, but hasn't moved it in the house. I saw that and I thought, why isn't someone in the Senate doing this? Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, we want to pass out out of committee without his his work in the past, and then the uh, Women's Foundation and the University of Missouri uh, School of Public Affairs has uh, provided studies to show 
all this information, and they've done a lot of work on this. But we have a long way to go. But it was a nice thing that we could pass out of committee um, this this bill on the day that uh, so many women were down there, mm-hmm. and just maybe a little bit of hope. I, I honestly, I don't have a lot of of. Uh, I don't think that we're going to bring on the floor. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. get over to the house in time. Right. But this progress makes sense, and, and maybe as we keep talking to these issues yeah. of fairness, not really gender fairness, but just fairness, right? Right, Fairness sure. for workers, um, we should continually fight for that. Well, it sounds like the legislators are open open to it. They're open to listening to it. I mean, the vote was five to one. I mean, right. there was only one person who was dissenting and, there. So. And it would have been six to one, but Senator Walsh wasn't in the room. See, she, so she committed to it as well. So the record would have been even better. Yeah, okay. so... Um, Great. Thanks for thanks for coming down yeah. and pushing that issue as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was happy to be there. I was glad to be. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, why don't you tell us more about your week? Yeah, and what was going yeah. on? Just um, I'll do that. Okay. Look at the. It it was interesting week this week as the um. Well, I'll tell you. I was able to have have a nice go to a nice event for the Missouri Retired Teacher Association District Two. Um, they had a breakfast at the Independent School District office mm-hmm. on last Friday morning, and myself, um, Representative Ira Anders, and Senator Jason Holzman um, uh, spoke, and it was nice to see a lot of retired teachers. My message to them was, can you guess? Um, what was your message that uh-huh. they need to support the legislators who uh-huh. are supporting them? Kind of. <laughs> okay. That, but my first thing was that tax policy is education policy. Oh, of course, policy. tax policy. Yes. Because uh, there has been a lot, of, a lot of bills that come after them as far as pension because they have different pension system. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, we don't see that this year. But um, what? Nothing. Go no, ahead. But, but um, they can't only be involved in that. They have to be involved with how we're funding education and um, everything else. And they seem to be an active group. And I explained to them, in my opinion, they have a lot of power. Mm -hmm. They have raised and educated their community. Right. So when they say something to another person, hey, you should vote this way, or did you know about this issue? It's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's a lot more powerful than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the room was, I was introduced by Coach Kaufman, who Mm -hmm. was was a... uh, a coach at Truman High School when I was there. Oh, cool. And uh, Mr. Clemens was there, who was the journalism teacher. Mm-hmm. I um, told the group that I was a bad athlete and a bad journalist, <laughs> but I'm glad to see them. And then I realized that my uh, old principal, mm-hmm. Principal Leroy Brown, was there as well. He was the principal at Truman High School. So, oh, cool. I mean, these are influential men in my life yeah. when I went through high school. Yeah. And they have a lot more power than... Speaking of which, Madeline Lavota is the winner of the Leroy Brown Scholarship. Woo-hoo! So, Great. Um, that was a good event. And then was able to um, go to, um, well, strange thing. I was invited to the Missouri State Orthopedic Association Legislative Reception last week. Mm-hmm. It was at Arrowhead Stadium. And I went in there and there was no one there but Representative Rizzo. <laughs> I said hello and left. So Interesting. Hats off to that great to that group. I must have missed something, and it was good to see uh, Representative his his daughter mm-hmm. has so much hair and his big cheeks, mm-hmm. and she's so cute. Okay, and then uh, <laughs> I guess his daughter was there too. Then no, he just showed me pictures. Oh, she's oh, a couple months old. That's good. Um, I was able to attend the High Aspirations uh, Breakfast Banquet, and High Aspirations is an organization that is dedicated to mentoring 
uh, young African-American men in our area. Great. And they do a great job. Um, they had good presentation. And, um, you know, I went to I went there. Senator Curls was there. Um, it was one of those events that I want to make sure I showed them that I supported them but was, but was going to leave because of time constraints. Well, then I look over. And the big biscuit of independence is actually the <laughs> caterer. And, I, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to pass it the big biscuit. Absolutely not. So I take right. a little more time and have a big biscuit. Well, that's good. So that was good to see them there. Um, the uh, We had a hearing in our uh, financial government governmental organization elections committee about voter, I, voter photo ID again. And hopefully this we can stop this before it gets to the floor. But we should talk about that issue sometime. I won't get into it today, but it is a issue that is generally the radicals' idea to disenfranchise about 200,000 people in the state of Missouri. And uh, I'm sure I've talked about that in the past, but... Um, yeah, but we need to talk about it again, yeah. it sounds like. Um, the session, and I thought maybe this would be a good information. session went Monday. Keep in mind, we start at 4, we're done at uh, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday, we began at 10. Mm-hmm. We were done around midnight. Mm. And um, yesterday, we're, yesterday or Wednesday, started at 10 and we're done at 5. And then today, started at 10 and done at 2. Um, so some long hours this week. Some long hours. Last week, we were there till 4, 4 a.m. on one day. Mm-hmm. And so I... Ugh. I thought maybe it'd be good to have a, a sense of, of that. I may report. You guys may be bored by that, but um, it's a sense of what we do down there. We, I guess the point is we shouldn't be doing the budget at 2 a.m. in the morning when Absolutely. everyone's tired. Right. When this, I'm not cast, casting disparity, disparities. Right. But they're all old men in the Senate, okay? <laughs> right? Yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> Yours truly is included in that one, okay? And we shouldn't be doing when we're exhausted bunch of old men at two in the morning yeah right yeah um i um am looking forward to um meeting uh at the um at the uh maddie rose center tomorrow they're putting in some new um um, technology for their um folks and i'm able to have lunch with the western district court of appeals and uh, the Raytown School Legislative Forum is coming up as well. Next week, uh, um, I'm looking forward to a meeting I have with constituents on Saturday. Um, it's a soccer league. Yeah, it's a soccer league. And you're league. the one that got me hooked up with these it's true. good folks. Yeah. They they asked me to come, and then whenever they started talking about what it was that they were interested in, which was having a voice uh, in government, I thought, you should be there. And you're their senator, so that makes sense. Yes. Uh, so thank you for going with me. I look forward to visiting with them more. Uh, next week we have the farmers, uh, Missouri Farmers Care Organization in the Capitol is there. Um, comprehensive health, mental health will will be around, so it will be another busy week, and we'll probably have similar hours that we did this week. So, wow. um, what what upcoming uh, what upcoming information do you have for us? Um, as far as upcoming events and things go, I don't have anything. Uh, I did want to talk about. Um, what was on the Mo Leg this week? Okay. Um, some of the things that were kind of hot topics, of course, were Progress Missouri's we lawsuit. We interrupt your program with breaking news. Ooh. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so the interviewing and not allowing 
uh, interviews into the room, the press, and some of the press, excuse me, into the room, uh, was big news on the Moleg. Uh, and then I know that the equality, they're getting ready to come down um, again to talk about, um, sorry, I'm trying to find the tweet uh, and not having much luck, um, in regard to uh, LGBT rights. Okay. And so um, that's been taking place too. And continued talks about Medicaid expansion. They're not letting up on that. So um, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. They're spending time on those things. Good. So that's my report. Good. Well, I yeah. appreciate the report. I appreciate the, that you were here Thank you. today. And uh, this, again, dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota is here just to kind of give you a little bit of insight. Hopefully we did that. And uh, that's the news. We, we do this every week. And I don't know if you have any other thing you want to add. Uh, just it's a great show. program has been produced by Courtney Cole, Chris Whiting, and Paul Lavoda. All rights reserved. Thanks again for listening to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavoda. Contact Paul on Twitter at Paul Lavoda or by email at votelavoda at hotmail.com with your comments or for syndication. Join us next week for more dialogue 